0: Did you know you can get email alerts about every new episode of this podcast? Sign up for free. Just click the link in the show description.
1: Some of the most mature machine learning efforts still require a significant amount of human input on an ongoing basis. When we ultimately have self-driving cars and we, we want to start deploying them in more and more areas it will still be really critical that we have human input tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people to ensure that these algorithms are behaving correctly or that they're continuing to get better and better
0: and better and better. This is Kotecki on Tech. I am James Kotecki here with Scale CEO Alex Wang. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be on. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. And so here's what I think scale is. And you tell me if I'm right. So as I understand it, scale is a company I go to when I need a lot of labeled data for artificial intelligence machine learning. So for example, if I'm building a self-driving car and I need to tell the car, this is a stop sign, this is a truck, this is a bush. And I need to do that by labeling the images that that AI is going to train on. I go to scale because scale has people and technology that will Basically, do that for me? How would I do there?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, our mission is to accelerate the development of AI applications. And so, when we set out and actually looked at all the various bottlenecks and snags that most companies were hitting when building really important machine learning products and AI products, one of the big ones was just in getting large, clean, labeled data sets. It's one of the sort of unknown. Or, or dirty secrets about machine learning, but you actually you need massive, massive amounts of data to be able to train state-of-the-art machine learning algorithms that can that can perform as well or better than humans. So, for example, uh, the the data set that that Google used to train Google Maps to be able to recognize house numbers that that data set was actually on the order of 10 billion labeled images. And so, uh, you're exactly right when when these organizations and these teams need to build uh, really innovative machine learning applications. One of the biggest bottlenecks they hit is, Hey, I just need tons and tons of clean labeled data that will help my algorithms know what to do in all these various situations. And that's the exact piece that we solve for our customers today.
0: So tell me how many people are needed for this and kind of how you structure it and how they fit into the equation, because, as you say, I think this is a secret of AI that not a lot of people are aware of. I mean, it's an open secret in the industry, but someone who's looking at a cool you know, commercial of a self-driving car isn't thinking about the fact that there's somebody on the other end who has to actually label what a stop sign is to tell the machine what that is. So give me a sense of the, not to use a pun, but the scale of the, the people that are involved in doing this.
1: We're in sort of the, the, the early stages of self-driving, for example, and we work with a lot of a lot of the leading self-driving companies, folks like Lyft and Cruise and Zoox and uh, Toyota, for example. And our platform itself is already scaled up to tens of thousands of people who work, uh, who work frequently on our platforms. And if you look probably globally at the whole industry of self-driving, there's, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people who are employed to help these algorithms learn. There's a significant number of people who are involved in this process as the technology grows and as there's more and more self-driving cars on the road and as the requirements on the technology grow for that growth to be sustainable and for it to even be possible we need to automate as much of the labeling process as possible and our view is that if if we're going to have any chance of deploying true self-driving cars and we're going to have any chance of actually building this technology out and deploying it to all of the areas where it's sorely needed, um, then, then you need, we're going to need to be as efficient as possible and as automated as possible in this process while not sacrificing on quality, right? Um, because at the end of the day, these cars, they, they make life or death decisions. It, it's so crucial that that they're trained on high quality data. We have a machine learning team that's basically building up as much technology as possible to make it so that the humans have to do as little work as possible, while at the end of the day, still ensuring uh, the utmost quality in the data.
0: So are humans basically just needed at this kind of interim stage of the development of AI? Are they needed as data labelers today because the AI and machine learning isn't good enough to do it all automatically? And are we going to get to a point where there's maybe a few humans doing spot checks here and there, but they're not actually... Needed anymore, or are we looking at a future of tens of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people as we're talking about doing this job and doing it for the foreseeable future?
1: It's it's a really great question, actually, because I think this is this is another area where um, where there's there's a lot of misconceptions about it, even even within the tech industry, right? So if you look at some of the most mature machine learning efforts in the Valley, there's Google Search and there's Facebook ranking and Facebook moderation. Uh, and, and these are some of the most, uh, the oldest standing true machine learning problems that, uh, that have existed in the Valley. And even to this day, all of those efforts still require a significant amount of human input on an ongoing basis to ensure that the models are, are performing better and better and better and better. And now it's not like tens of millions of people, despite the scale of those, that those products are at. So it, it doesn't need to be a, a crazy number of people, but they still do require a large amount of, of human input to ensure that those models are still performing well. And so just just like in those use cases, when we ultimately have self-driving cars and we, we want to start deploying them in more and more areas, it will still be really critical that we have human input, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people to ensure that these algorithms are, are behaving correctly or that they're continuing to get better and better and better and better. One analogy I like to draw is that in traditional software engineering, a lot of people had this misconception back in the 80s that like there would just be a small number of apps that you would need to build. You need to have like a notes app and an email app and a calendar app, uh, et etc. You, you just build a small number of those applications. And then once they're built, you, you don't need any more software engineers because they're built and they're good and people just use them. And as we all know, that turned out to not be the case. It turns out there's sort of this like really, really large number of areas where Software makes a really big difference. And even in the areas where you would say, oh, we've already built the product that solves the problem, you can always improve it and you can always make it better and better and better. So, with machine learning, it it ends up kind of being like we're we're at the same stage or the same level of understanding where where right now everybody sort of thinks, hey, there will be a certain number of models that that we'll need, like uh, the self driving models, and we'll need models that can do automated data entry or whatnot, or we'll need models that can that can help you check out automatically like Amazon Go, et cetera. So there will be some some number of these applications. And then once the models get good enough, uh, we'll, we'll be done and and none of this work will be required. But, but the, the reality is we will always need to improve these applications. So we'll always need to make the self-driving algorithms better and better and better. We'll always need to make the algorithms that detect whether or not you're picking up an orange <laughs> Better, better, and better, and better, and uh, and what's more than that, the number of applications will just grow and grow and grow. And so, I, I I think there's there's actually a very strong parallel between these two states of the world. Where right now, I think people really underestimate both sort of the full impact of machine learning. And I know that's hard because it's kind of a hyped arena. Certainly. But but I think the the true the true number of applications is, is very large, and then the true amount of work that will be required in each of those applications
0: is really underestimated. So we talk about things getting better. Let's talk about the lives of the people doing this data labeling and how their lives get better. So there's obviously a, a narrative out there that people who are doing these jobs, especially if they're distributed around the world to places that don't have a lot of other good economic opportunities, are better off doing yep. kind of eight hours, 12 hours a day of what would what would seem to be really rote, you know, tedious, monotonous data labeling. Rather than doing something else that they could be doing in that part of the world, but I I wonder if you I wonder how you think about that. I mean, it just as I if I think about sitting down and labeling stop signs for eight hours, twelve hours a day, I don't think I could get through one day of doing that, let alone that being my actual full time job. So, and of course, you know that actually has a a bearing on whether or not the data labeling is correct, right? Because people get worn out, they get tired, they feel like it's monotonous, and they maybe don't don't do as good a job in hour nine as they do in hour one during the day. So from both a, an ethical perspective and a practical perspective do you think about building things into your technology that help people do this job in a more engaging way?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first thing is about making data labeling into a, an engaging and exciting occupation, right? And when we look at like what what inspires us in in what we build, one one of the big inspirations is actually video games, right? Mm-hmm. So uh like there are, there are certain video games, I don't know if you, you all have played like, or just Friends or Candy Crush or, or whatnot. There, there are certain video games that actually, if you sort of zoom out, seems seem pretty monotonous. <laughs> uh, but, but And yet people play them for hours and hours and hours and hours, right? Um, and, and a lot of that is because they've been built to be engaging. It's not necessarily anything complex about it that makes it engaging, but it's about Making it a fun, enjoyable experience where you can always get better and you're, there are always things to improve and there's always, like, there's always areas for you to be creative and ingenuous, et cetera. And, and so we try to do the same thing with data labeling. At the end of the day, on an impact level, the impact of the work is very, very, very large because high quality data is, is really what will make or break all of these state-of-the-art algorithms that will be deployed in these self-driving cars. And then from from an engagement perspective, we're constantly trying to automatically show people. These are the areas where we're noticing mistakes, where you could be doing better. These are some tricks at how you can be doing this even more efficiently over time. And part of your job is also teaching other people how to do this stuff as well. So there's sort of a large community around data labeling um, that we, around doing the work on our platform, we really try to inspire and we really try to um, get people excited about that's making the, the work very engaging um, and, and make it really rewarding. And then there's, there's this other piece, which is in terms of providing these occupational opportunities around the world. It's really hard for us being in America to, to fully grasp this, but around the world, the reality is they just, in a lot of areas, there are really, really poor employment opportunities. Um, there, there's just like, there's very, very little industry and there's, there's very little opportunity. That's just the reality of a lot of locations around the world. Like in some of the villages that we go into, there's simply, there's no industrial or good employment opportunities outside of maybe there's one company that's entered the village and has opened up a factory. Right. Mm -hmm. So globally, uh, and this is, this probably will continue to be true for, for quite some time. There's globally, there's really a dearth of opportunity for most people in the world. And, And the beauty of the platform we're able to provide is actually for most of these people around the world who have very little exposure to opportunities where opportunities have to come to them on a sort of local basis, right? Like there has to be a company entering these villages. or there has to be some physical presence that enters these areas that allow them to have a job. Instead, for anyone who has uh, access to internet and for any village where internet access is coming, all of a sudden they have access to work from home opportunities. Like working on scale or other opportunities on the internet. And that basically allows these areas to advance and progress much, much more quickly. We have tons of stories of, for example, um, people who have worked on our platform who have then gone and they've gotten the medical attention for themselves or their parents that they would not have been able to get otherwise. Or they were able to build their dream home because otherwise it, there's no way they would have been able to make enough money. And these stories are they're very real and they, they're they're like happening more and more and more and more because the reality is as our platform scales and as the internet scales in the, in the world many many people are getting access to jobs and, and employment opportunities when otherwise they just they simply wouldn't and it's, it's this really really critical transition i think in the current age that most people don't really talk about but it's, it's the ability for for the world in general to offer scaled employment
0: before we go, one last question, a uh, personal question, if you don't mind. So your age, your youth is a part of your story, at least externally, as it's portrayed on the scale website. You're like 30 under 30. You were what a teenage tech lead at Quora. Before you did this, I, 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 I kind of did the math. I figure you're still in your early 20s. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is, the, <laughs> is, 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 is that part of the narrative in your own head about you being this young? And if so, how does that affect the work that you do?
1: It doesn't affect very much of the company, I would say.
0: At the end of the day, we have our mission.
1: Our mission is to accelerate the development of AI applications. We have customers who we work very closely with. We have a job to do, right? And at the end of the day, my age doesn't impact any of that. We're very thankful for the opportunity that we ultimately have and the fact that there is such an important problem in the world for us to be working on. Um, and that's that's really the core of day in, day out, the work that we do.
0: Alex Wang, CEO of Scale, thanks for joining me on Kotecky on Tech. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun.